1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. I'm
2: Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want
2: to do another stomp you out speech. It
1: opened up so many more doors. The show
2: is called The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
3: You you feel this this nervousness on the phone there?
1: Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls.
2: Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to participate, you can call in 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers, I don't think. So we're just going to kick this thing off. With we got a good amount of calls here, Steve up in Alaska.
0: Hey, Steve up in Alaska on again. Uh not football related stuff. I'm listening to everybody getting back into you can you can tell everything's starting to warm up down there. So y'all talking more and more about food, yeah, <laughs> which I appreciate greatly. I've I've been doing food for I've done like 25 years of, of food service. And nice. I you know, own my own barbecue stand. That's my woo. That's a, Five months out of the year, really, once you think prepping and in the beginning of breaking down to the end of the year, six months out of the year, I'm, I'm totally 100% food oriented. And I'd like to thank you all for calling. When you call in and talking about food, I appreciate it. I think it's great. Um though I will say this, people gotta stop saying that there's wherever they are is the best because I'm telling you, it's what you know. <laughs> so it's the best. You know, I, I grew up in Kenosha, that's where I was born and raised for the first 10 years 11 years of my life was in Kenosha um, so I ate a lot of Chicago Milwaukee, that area but, I mean so many Italian people were there in, in the 70s and 80s you know it was just stick with the first, second generation off the boat Italians so when I go someplace and they talk about Italian food I'll admit it, I'm a snob and, and I know what I like and you can give me something else and tell me it's the best thing that I'll ever taste. And I'm telling you right now, walking into it, that's, that's a mistake because I know the best thing that I ever tasted.
2: <laughs> well, and that's part of the reason why I keep saying like, I'm going to go to New York and I'm not going to be impressed because I, it's not what I grew up on. You know what I mean? People that grew up out there, they're like, yeah, this is the best. And they go try, you know, they, they'll try Chicago pizza and they're like, this is terrible. This isn't pizza. Right. Because you're used to this thin, crunchy thing. And it's like, that's not what I grew up eating, you know? And I, I'm not even talking about deep. i never even had a real Chicago style deep dish pizza until much later in life. That was a completely different thing. And, and by the way, I freaking love those. I'm just talking about the way that they make pizza in Chicago is how I'm used to it. Um, you know, like a Giordano's type of place or whatever. Um, so uh, again, I'm, I'm guessing if I go out there and try the the pizza. I I mean, I I'm, I'm sure it's great pizza. I'm not saying it's going to I'm going to taste it and throw it up or anything. I mean, I eat freezer pizza and that stuff's nasty. So, I mean, I know it's going to be good, but my what I grew up on, my everybody has their own scale of what like the best possible pizza or the best possible burgers or the best like barbecue. It's the same thing. Like there there really is no best because if you're from Texas and you're used to eating you know, beef with salt and pepper and garlic or whatever, then you're gonna go to Memphis with this stuff covered in, you know, rib, you know, eating pork covered in rich red barbecue sauce and say this is this is not real barbecue. And if you grew up in Memphis eating ribs covered in slathered in Memphis style barbecue sauce, and you go to, you know, the Carolinas and they got this mustard sauce and whole hog barbecue, it's like, you know, I mean it's good, but this is not barbecue. So it's just what you're accustomed to. Now, I could be wrong. There's, there's every possibility I could go out to New York or uh, what is it? What are those places, uh, Connecticut or whatever? The, uh, what is that town called? Or is it in Pennsylvania? I can't remember where. I think, it's, I think it's Connecticut. Anyways, it's entirely possible I could try it and say, yep, this is the best pizza I've ever had. I just don't think so because that style of pizza is not what I grew up with, you know? My only introduction to it would be like Sabarro which by the way I freaking I haven't had sabaro in forever but I really liked sabaro which maybe that just goes to show that I would really like New York style cuz sabaro is like garbage New York style pizza and I thought it was delicious but that but but uh, the point is I I completely get your point and I agree and that's that's kind of the point I was making is if I grew up in New York no question I would see that as the best but having not grown up there very good chance I'm going to eat their pizza and be like it's good but it's not the best I've
0: ever had <laughs> and it was it was people that got up in the morning and start hand making their own pasta. Yeah. the tomato sauce was on on
2: the. By the way, handmade pasta is my next thing because I've made my own um, sauce and it's I I love it. I, I I don't know what it is with they put too much stuff in these sauces you buy. Plus, I don't know if it's the preservatives or whatever else they got to put in there, but you eat it and it's just I don't know. It's same with like when you get Pizza Hut, which I know we're talking about a whole other category, but everything's like sweet. Like, why is there so much sugar in this? sauce and in the bread and the dough and everything. Like, it's just, it's weird. I don't get it. Half the time these sauces have like a bitter taste to them. It's just, I don't know. Even as somebody that doesn't like tomatoes, like a real actual sauce, which is basically just pure tomatoes, I thought it was delicious. You know, with some little bit of this, little bit of that, but mostly just a pile of tomatoes. But yeah, handmade pasta, that's, that's what I got to do next.
0: Stove at like 8 a.m. You're not eating until 6. It's on the stove at 8 a.m. Maybe they'd already started cooking it the night before. The meat's already in it, been soaking in it. You know, the, everything's made from scratch. And, you know, man, eat yourself sick on that stuff. Yeah.
2: By the way, I love that. That's the same with, like, barbecue. You know, good barbecue is, this is going to take, like, a day. The the From the, you know, whether you're marinating it, whether you're, you know, brining it, whether you're just letting it rest. Then you got the slow cook that could take pretty much all day. Then you're resting it after that. I mean, it's just, you're just, it's just love, man. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you are dedicating so much to this meal just being amazing, as opposed to like microwaving something out of the freezer and it tastes like garbage. Just taking all day, you know, up early, late last night, preparing stuff.
0: It's good stuff, man. So good you go to other places in the country I remember when I first moved out to the Seattle area people would say oh man we're going to the Italian place and it's the best Italian food you've ever had and it was trash
1: it was so bad it was
0: yeah. like red water with some tomato chunks in it yeah. it was just gross they told me it was authentic Sicilian and all I could tell them was the. Uh, this is like authentic poor people food because this isn't real Italian food. you got to get some real Italian food in there. So, yeah, all you guys that call in and want to say that you know the best place, I'm going to question you all the time because on my barbecue stand, I, I made, it says on my sign, I make the best pulled pork in Alaska. And for four years, five years now, nobody's been able to come and tell me they found better. I've had people come up from Louisiana and Texas and Tennessee and tell me that my my pulled pork is about the best they've ever had. So, Always watch yourself, but I still like hearing you guys talk about it. Take it easy, y'all. It's all
2: all good, too, because it's, you know, even if you argue about what the best food is, we're arguing about, like, a 9.5 compared to a 9.8-style food. You know, I prefer the 9.5. You like the 9.8 or whatever. But we're all just just talking about, especially when you get super angry about it. That's just love, man. That's just love. You don't get angry about stuff you don't care about. You know what I mean? Like, nobody ever got... I shouldn't say nobody, but people generally are not going to get into big fights about the best socks. They might about the best shoes, though. The more you care about it, the more angry you're going to get when somebody slanders it. That's why the whole yo mama thing is so... Because it's your mom. Your second cousin wouldn't have the same amount of sting to it. No offense to all the second cousins out there. But if you call in ready to fight over food, it just means you love food. Which means you're in the right place. Your family here.
1: Hola, muchacho. Hola. This is Thomas of the Thomas Austin Hello, Show. Hello,
2: Thomas of the Thomas Austin Show. Both
1: featured now on Spotify and also the episodes that I've done. Anyway, you know in Peter Pan, no, the, uh, the Disney movie, when they're trying to get the kids to fly, they have to start thinking of like, things they like, positivity and stuff like that. Not really. What would get you to fly? <laughs> what's what's your happy thoughts okay. that you would have to utilize in order to continue to be afloat in the sky? Because I think uh, Packers winning the Super Bowl the last time, 2010, 2011, I think that could carry me for at least a solid couple states alone.
2: Love to hear your thoughts. Bye. Yeah, I mean, uh food, family, and Packers keep you going for a while, right? You start running out of steam, just think about uh the twenty eleven Packers team. Twenty ten team, two thousand nine team, you know, think about that Super Bowl. Think about the next Super Bowl. Think about the draft coming up, that'd get me going. That gets me going a little bit, but yeah, family, food, and football keeps you flying. That's what that's what I always say. It's why it's tattooed on my around my belly button.
3: Hey Ryan, hey hey. So uh, listening to the afternoon tonight about uh, the fig newtons, Sorry and, about that. Uh, yeah, so my grandmother had a tree in the back of her house when I was a kid in Torrance, California, and it had figs, and we would. Peel them. We would pick them and peel them and eat them, and they were weird, them? but they tasted exactly like the center of a fig newton. Huh. So I don't even know if the figs
1: a vegetable or a fruit or what. All I know is it tastes pretty much like the center of a fig newton. Yeah. So after that, I've always loved fig newton So there, there you go. A uh, little bit of information that I've kept for all this time, and I have no idea why. So there you go. Go Petco. Bada bing bada boom.
2: Didn't know you had to peel them. That's pretty wild. You learn so much on this show. It's pretty wild. And honestly, even as I think about it, I don't know if I'd be able to pick out the center of a Fig Newton flavor, because I just know the whole thing. I've never eaten just the inside or just the outside. Well, I have kind of just, you know, you can kind of like bite the outsides a little bit. You kind of, you know, take off the one side, take off the other side, and then you just got a little Fig Newton sandwich. Um, Fig Newtons are good, though. I don't know if I would still like them, but I know I used to crush some Fig Newtons back in the day, which is weird. Who's bu- Who was buying Fig Newtons in my house? We bought so much stuff. When I was younger. As an adult now, it's like, my kids have not had anything ever. There's so much... Like, I make fun of my kids about some of the stuff they haven't had, and then I realize that's my fault. (laughs) Like, you haven't had a Fig Newton? What is wrong with you? Oh. Oh, yeah. I didn't... uh, I didn't buy those for you. Forgot about that. Same with, like, the... There's so many things I just remember. Like, my wife was showing me all like the different snack cakes and stuff, which she doesn't like cake. She's weird, but um she was showing me all these different I was like, oh dude, I forgot about I used to love those Christmas tree snack cakes. Those are the best. We don't buy well, I guess that's not true. There's occasionally we'll get something, but very rarely. I don't know. It's just weird. Like Hawaiian punch. I never bought Hawaiian punch in my life. You don't buy it. Like we 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 get juice, but it's like a big container of just like fruit juice. Like, my daughter and I have been on, like, a cranberry kick. So there's, like, cranberry juice. There's occasionally some orange juice or, or whatever. I've never My kids, I guarantee you, unless they had it at somebody else's house, have never had Kool-Aid. You know why? Because I haven't had Kool-Aid since I was a kid. I haven't even thought about Kool-Aid. How have my kids never had Kool-Aid? I don't know. I don't want it, so I don't buy it. I haven't thought about buying it. I haven't thought about it until this moment. Never occurred to me to buy Kool-Aid. Even if I wanted to, I know my wife would shoot it down anyways. But the point is, I wouldn't do it anyways. Even if it was just me and the kids, be like, nah, we're we're good. My answer is usually we got water. That's all I really ever drank when I was a kid, anyways, was water. I like I'm one of the few people on planet Earth that loves water. Everybody hates water. Like, oh, I can't just drink water. I need something in it. Like, dude, what's wrong with you? Water's delicious. Love water. It's so refreshing. Dude, I will slam some water. So much stuff they've never had. But I'm on a kick right now making a bunch of homemade stuff tonight is uh I got a recipe for uh grilled cheese which I know doesn't sit like okay grilled cheese no but like a really good one and then tonight is uh quote unquote homemade spaghetti and meatballs the pasta i bought but everything else i'm going to make the sauce i'm going to make the meatballs doing it up
4: hey Ryan hey it's Travis from Virginia What's i know it's a... been a little while since i heard from your best friend huh yeah? Huh? Is that weird? Well, yep. I hear you talk every day, so you're kind of my best friend. Fair enough. Uh, all right, we'll get past the weird stuff. Thank uh you. So I just wanted to throw my two cents because, you know, you put out content every day, and, you know, I just, I just figured I'd try to help you out with a little bit of content coming back. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about these draft things. I have been linking Jackson Smith and Jigba – or, I'm sorry, comping to Justin Jefferson. Does this, like – I swear, I know it was a couple years ago, but I swear, everything that I'm hearing about Jackson Smith and Jigba is sounding like the same kind of stuff we were saying about Justin Jefferson when he was coming out. Like, yeah, he's pretty good overall receiver, not really flashy in any one category, and like, oh, he's been primarily a slot, so can he really play the boundary? I remember that's exactly what was being said about Justin Jefferson. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he's just kind of like really good in the slot, but can do the other things, but not to any great great measure and you know we haven't been able to see it yet but I, I don't know why that that connection has just been sticking out to me and it has made me want Jackson Smith and jigba very badly um so I just wanted to throw one little mock out there let's just say this rogers the Jets thing goes through we get uh pick whatever what 11 30 I don't know what it is um so I'm just gonna work with those first three picks we got just saying you know the one first round from the Jets I want to get jackson smith and jigba slash a edge rusher first round with him those two picks i don't care how it needs to go packers are going to know better you need to pick jigba first you know he's more likely to come off the board they know better than i but just those first two picks i would love jsn slash lucas van ness slash Miles Murphy. Uh, I mean, throw throw whoever you think is in there. Maybe Miles Murphy's falls. We get him with that jet pick, and then we get Lucky and JSN is there for our second pick, and then second round tied in baby. Um, I know you're talking about our second round pick might not be early enough for any of these guys that are good. Heck, use that third, move up, or wait for him, come off the board. Then when you see that last one that you want sitting there. That's when you move up. Maybe you can use less than a third. You know, but I I have been hearing a lot of cool things about this support guy coming out of Iowa, and I'm just saying, if we want to you know try to strike rich on the receiver edge rush early, and then hit the depth of the tight end, you know, and get kind of the bottom player of that top tier of tight ends in the draft. I I think that's a pretty solid solid haul from uh this year.
2: Um well, let's let's let us let us finish over here and then we'll get to my thing.
4: Hey Ryan. Hey, hey best friend. What's up? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, sorry, I, I hit the three minute mark. I, I was trying to keep it short, but you know how these things go. I get it. Um so yeah, like I said, I think that would be a great haul for us to come away with. Um I like that, that Smith and Jigba to Justin Jefferson link, I don't know why. It's just sticking out heavily in my brain and the amount of pain that I have whenever I look back and think of, man, we were that close to getting Justin Jefferson. I know we weren't super close because, you know, circumstances. But oh, we wanted him. We were ready to move up. We just got jumped, and that's that's the story of that. Um, but, yeah, so there's just a little quick draft take, a little thought-provoking. Um, and last thing to touch in on your realism and superhero stuff. Uh, all right, let's.
2: Before we get into that, um, I'm down with it. Sounds good as far as the uh, um, how you'd like to see things unfold. I want to rewind a little bit back to the beginning. You're talking about Justin Jefferson. Um, I personally don't 100% see it, but I get it in terms of if you just lay out all the details like you did. If you just write down thoughts on Justin Jefferson write down thoughts on uh Jackson Smith and jigba they look similar um I think for me the big difference is when I watched Justin Jefferson come off the line he reminded me of Devontae. though his I mean his hops hop step off the line was identical he could he could kill a guy before he bear I mean he he just gets off the line and it's already over um I don't necessarily see that with Jackson Smith and jigba but it, maybe it's out there I just got to go back and find it um but anyways the the reason I wanted to kind of bring that up because it's funny I mentioned I've got three more at least um scouting reports coming out or or came out I guess today um and one of them I mentioned yesterday was Broderick Jones and how he compared to I think I I don't know when I talked about this uh David Bakhtiari, the AI kind of took some of the information and spit out David Bakhtiari as a comp and I thought that that was kind of funny since we were talking about potentially moving on from David Bakhtiari. You mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba comparing well to Justin Jefferson. Three different comps that I found for different scouting reports toward Jackson Smith and Jigba were Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, and Keenan Allen. But then when I had the AI do it, it wrote this. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba compares well to Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. They have similar height and weight, and both played uh, in prolific college offenses that featured multiple NFL-caliber receivers. They both excel at running routes, catching passes in traffic, and making defenders miss after the catch. They both have good speed, but not elite speed for their position. The other thing that I thought was kind of funny is I asked AI to kind of do it slightly differently, and um, actually it was a different AI, but it doesn't matter. This is what it came up with. Again, this is already a comp, but this is what it wrote. A possible NFL comp for Jackson Smith and Jigba is Keenan Allen, who plays for the L.A. Chargers. Allen is also a versatile receiver who can line up anywhere in the field and run crisp routes. He has great hands, speed, agility, and vision. He is also similar in size and measurables to Smith and Jigba. And the reason that's interesting to me is because the reason I like Justin Jefferson is because he compared to who? Devontae Adams. Who has Devontae Adams always been compared to? It's been a while, but for years when talking about the best route runners in football, there were two, Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen. So you've got Jefferson, who compares to Devontae. You got Keenan, who compares to Devontae. And both of these guys, have Jackson Smith and Jigba has compared to. So you're kind of talking about that same family of guys. And and again, you can add Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett to it. These are guys that just dominate the field. With being elite route runners. And 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 that's the thing, we, we shouldn't get away from that very quickly at all. Jackson Smith and Jigba, it, it's almost never been disputed that he's a premier route runner. And then when you look at the measurables, and you can debate whether, you know, which measurables are more uh for this player or that player or whatever for wide receivers you want to guy that can do this, that, or the other thing, but it is somewhat independent, I think, even among wide receivers. You know, if, if you've got a wide receiver who's six foot four, 225 pounds, and you like him because he's, you know, you know, got good straight line speed and is a go up and get it 50-50 guy, and he doesn't have the greatest three cone, you might be able to give him more of a pass. Because although it's important, as long as he doesn't cr- cross below that threshold of we can't draft him because it sucks that much, it's more of an average time, you might say that that's one of the most important measurables, but in this particular case, it's not exactly what we're looking for. But you look at JSN, and his whole thing is route running, and then he has elite agility scores, and it just reinforces everything that you love about him specifically, right? And then you're like, well, he didn't have a great 40 time. Nobody's looking for that. And again, neither does Devontae, neither does Justin Jefferson. In fact, I don't know of this group how many actually did. I'm pretty sure Keenan Allen does not. Cooper Cup, I'm quite positive, doesn't. Tyler Lockett maybe does. I don't know. But most of these guys are not speed guys. And even if they are, it doesn't matter. It's not what what causes them to be successful in the NFL. So you look at these things individually. So again, I personally, and I'm, I I got to go back and 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 check them out, but I personally have not watched him and thought, dang, dude, this guy reminds me of Jefferson or Devonte or whatever. But it kind of doesn't he doesn't have to, that's the thing. He doesn't have to be Justin Jefferson. He could be Keenan Allen. He could be Tyler Lockett. He could be Cooper Cup. So we're talking about a different thing. Is it it's a different kind of skill set, a little bit, or or it's more stylistic than anything, right? Again, with Justin Jefferson, it was it was like his hop step off the line. And immediately my brain went to Devonte, and at that moment I fell in love with the guy. Well, he might not have a hop step off the line, but he's got a different release that's also a very good release, and it's it's more about his you know what he does after that point that makes him super good, which could be a Cooper Cup thing or whatever. And it's not going to matter if you tell me he's not Justin Jefferson, he's Cooper Cup. Okay, <laughs> oh shucks, I guess we can't draft him or what? I mean, it might impact where you draft him because. You know, I would much rather have Justin Jefferson than Cooper. No, no disrespect to Cooper Cup. He's fantastic. But I just feel like Jefferson's on a slightly higher play. Let's say Tyler Lockett. How about that? But yeah, I'm um I'm starting to get much more firmly in the camp of of Jackson Smith and Jigba. And one of the things I wanted to talk about yesterday and we'll try to remember to talk about tomorrow is the fact that he has emerged right now as the number one wide receiver in the draft. Which is great because Again, the the question of where guys move and if they move and how much they move has less to do with how they did in the combine and more to do with, well, number one, what people were hearing at the combine because you know that kind of can change the dynamic of things, but also how much more somebody impressed compared to expectations. And I think right now people are just looking at Jackson, Smith, and Jigba and are just erasing last year from their memory. They're just saying, look, this is ridiculous. This guy two years ago was the best wide receiver in football. One of the best players in all of college football. We know he's an elite route runner. He just showed us with his testing, he is an elite, you know, he has elite level agility. He's got great hands, great intelligence, great after the catch. Like, what What are we doing here? Why are we overthinking this thing? And I kind of feel like that's where we're at with him right now. That's where a lot of people are coming to. Maybe not everybody, but I'm starting to get that impression. Like, we were stupid for looking so much into last year when he barely played and was obviously going through some stuff. So, and the hard part for me, and, and this is for everybody too. I mean, there's, there's so much, there's only so much time and there's so many people you want to watch, but it's like, ah, man, I got to go back and watch him. Cause even though I've watched it and then there's other guys, like I haven't even started with these guys. And like, I've, I've seen the tackles, but not in depth. So I need to watch the tackles. Then I started thinking the thought, which again, I kind of want to talk about tomorrow, but what if we do get pick 13 and 15 and what if we package them? Suddenly, there's a whole new world opening up to us. And by whole new world, I'm essentially talking about two guys. Jalen Carter and Bryce Young. Or excuse me, Will Anderson. (laughs) Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. In fact, you know what would be funny? Let me just say it now. The Bears presumably are moving back to four, right? That's the most plausible thing. So the Colts move up to one. They draft, let's say, Bryce Young. Texans at two take CJ Stroud. Cardinals are at three. Probably not taking a quarterback. Bears are at four and are very likely to take one of the top two defenders. It was presumably Jalen Carter, but with his issues off the field, Will Anderson makes more sense, and Jalen Carter may not even want to go for because of the, depending on the situation with that um, and how bad teams feel about him and his maturity, et cetera, et cetera. But do you know where pick 15 and 13 gets us according to the draft trade value chart thing? roughly pick three. Now, I don't know if we could actually get that, but how funny would it be if we traded with the Cardinals, who, again, they don't want a quarterback. Now, they would take a pass rusher, no question, but they have so many needs. Why not just take two first-round picks? We get to jump the Bears, steal Will Anderson, and the Bears, you know, they get Jalen Carter or whatever. Or we really like Jalen Carter, we take Jalen Carter. You know how crazy it would be to have Jalen Carter and Wyatt next to each other, along with Kenny Clark and Rashawn and Preston? (laughs) Oh. It's not going to happen, but I'm just saying that'd be kind of crazy if it happened. To be able to jump. The Bears, who had the number one pick, are now picking after the Packers. And their pick is dependent on who we decide to allow them to have. (laughs) Oh, come on. Please. If there is an angelic force overseeing all things football, allow it to be so. Please let it happen. Anyways, let's get back to uh, the last thing you said you wanted to touch on here.
4: On your realism and superhero yep. stuff, um, you brought up the boys. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. It's been brought up time and time again for right. you. Yep. Um, phenomenal show. You have to get past the gore, <sighs> which I know a lot of it's people not- say, like, oh, gore's not a big deal. But this show is a little bit different in the gory department. And it's not just the
2: gore, though. Like, I can do gore. You know what I mean? But you know what I'm talking about. Gore is one thing.
4: From what I took from what you said, yeah. I think you've seen one of the worst scenes <laughs> as far as uh, naughtiness, right. to say the least. Yeah. Um, but it sounded like you were saying that was what you thought was the first episode of the series. For some reason, um, I don't know. And if you are starting in happened. the part where the little guy yep. crawls in the hole and then... Yep gets big again yes. um that's not season
2: 1 episode 1 uh so by the way that that would perfectly explain why i was so lost cuz i was watching it i don't know why although it does do that usually i catch it but it does do that a lot whenever you go to any show it's like oh season 3 episode 1 like no why would i start in season 3 it doesn't make any sense maybe i just didn't catch it i don't know but um yeah i was i, I remember watching it just thinking like i don't know what is going on And and by the way, that's also why I really didn't like the show to begin with, because I hate shows that are like, oh, don't worry, by about episode five, you'll understand it. Like, no, I don't, I'm not investing this much time in this. I need to know immediately whether I want to watch this or not. I'll maybe give it to episode two, but halfway through episode two, if I'm still sitting there going, dude, I don't understand what the heck is going on. I don't like this show. See, I was sitting there watching it like, dude, what is happening? I don't understand. All right, I'll try it again. I will try it again. I will go to season one, episode one. Um, it's possible I did watch season one, episode one, and it just got lost. I mean, because somebody was... Cause it, this is the other problem. Somebody was even explaining to me that it like it's a little slow, and it takes a while to kind of get caught up or whatever. So I, I was kind of expecting to not really know what was going on, so I just kind of dealt with it. But, um, yeah, super lost, and then that happened, and I'm like, this show is stupid. So... Alright, I will I will try it again since you're all friggin' begging me all day long.
4: Something does happen a little gross at the very beginning of the series, but it definitely kinda leads you into it not just throwing you into that kind of Yeah. Nastiness right off the bat. Right. Um so maybe, maybe that's you didn't start on season one, episode one. Um and maybe if you did you would be able to build up and properly enjoy the show. But sure. as far as realism, man, that show is as real as it gets with how superhero heroes act, how superheroes are in private, how they are in public, the, <laughs> the gruesome, gruesomeness of superheroes fighting normal people, superheroes fighting each other. It's, it's got everything that you have seemed to want right. from these superhero right. genres. And, and I just think that you might fall in love if you give it a shot. That's all. <sighs> all right, buddy. Hope you have a
2: great one. Bye now. All right. I'm 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 pulling and it go, up. Go. Pulling it up right now. So it's ready to go. Okay. Watch the boys. There it is. With, uh, I think I got to do Amazon Prime. Because I think that's the only one that I have that uh, I think will work. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: So it seems you didn't get my sarcasm at the end of one of my uh, comments. Uh, What was it, yesterday or the day before? Um, When I said something about Aaron Rodgers going to Jersey, and at the end there, I was like, or, you know, he could have. He could have just flown in, snuck around, and and ended up at Meadowlands Stadium anyway or the sport complex um, because it's hard to track one man in Jersey. I was was being super serious. Um, By the way, if it's I'm out of breath because I've been working out trying mm-hmm. to get some games. Anyway, um, so what I was what I was failing to say was um, basically all of everything to do with New York sports or football rather, but sports generally, is in another state. Um, like, anyway, New York Jets, New York Giants, their training facilities, their team facilities, all of that is in New Jersey. Right. Um, To give you reference, there is Newark Airport in Newark, New Jersey. Yep. The Meadowlands Stadium complex, I, I believe, is like four or five miles away from the airport. And I'm pretty positive um, that I've been told by people who work there that there is a back road or a back way from the airport to the stadium so that players and teams and whatnot can get there without dealing with traffic. All right. So there's one way. Um. <laughs> But second, there are a bunch of private airports in New Jersey um, that are in, like, the Trenton Trenton area. Now, to get from Trenton, so let's say the Meadowlands facility, would take you about an hour max, honestly. Um, so where I used to live would be smack dab in between that. It's a, a place called South Brunswick, New Jersey, about five minutes from the all-fame Princeton, New Jersey which is uh, Princeton University. Um, but from my house in Central New Jersey, in South Brunswick, to the GWB, which is the George Washington Bridge, going into New York or the Lincoln Tunnel, it takes me roughly 30 minutes. Um, so New York is like right there, just right there across the water. Um, so yeah, basically what everybody says is like, New Jersey's on good in New York City, or if you're from Jersey, that jersey's the light at the end of the tunnel um there's there's a lot of hoopla about that but no we're they're too too damn close too damn close just giving you a little geography lesson about the worst place in america all right go back up
2: yeah i don't know too much about new jersey um i know that it doesn't have a great reputation um it seems to me that new jersey's like new york without any of the good stuff um I've heard rumors of an odor but that might just be people from New York being rude I don't know um but no I, I I don't remember exactly what I said or why you thought I was being whatever or whatever but um yeah I'm I I get it I know I was certainly assuming that it was entirely po- I mean that's that's why I said it was seemingly a real thing that if he's in New York, that he was there to, uh, I mean, not in New York to see the Jets, but you know, if you're in New York, it's entirely possible that you're in the area because you were there to see the Jets. Because for, I mean, for that reason, because it's, it's right there. I don't know exact locations, but I do know to hop, skip and to jump over to Jersey and Jersey's small enough that I'm assuming it's close to the stadium. Is there like a big thing between New York and New Jersey? I have to assume that they're, my, the, the other thing that I know about it is from what I've seen from The Sopranos. And it just, it just kind of left me with this impression that people from New York look down on people from New Jersey. And I just get the impression that that would kind of piss people off from New Jersey. Just the fact that you guys are even compared to New Jersey or New York, you know, like you're, you're a smaller, like a pimple of New, New York or something, you know? Just the fact that, I mean, people like me, when I think of New Jersey, I kind of think of New York. I would think that that would be kind of annoying. Like, no, we're not—we're our own thing. But maybe you don't. Maybe you're like, no, we're we're kind of like the same thing. And and in a way, New Jersey's probably much more like New York in terms of like New York City, which is what people think of. Then Buffalo is like New York, even though it's in the state of New York. So I don't know. I guess I just don't know the dynamics. What's
1: up,
3: Brian? This is Blake's dad. Hey. Um, I just wanted to comment real quick on the Rogers drama with the Jets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um. I kind of am thinking it, it might actually happen. Rodgers has always kind of said how he wants to he wants to feel wanted. He wants to feel um, like the team he's playing for really wants him. And with the Jets flying a whole dang organization over there to California, they're really showing that they want him. And um, he'd be the head honcho there. He'd probably have full control of the offense in a way of like he does in Green Bay at the line of scrimmage and whatnot. Um, sorry the truck just decided to fly past um, anyways I think that's more important to him um, just kind of seems like it so the being wanted part the going somewhere where he, he feels like he's, he's got everybody's attention and I mean he definitely would have that in New York and as far as compensation I personally don't think it's going to be as much as what a lot of other people are hoping for Um, I hope at least maybe the 13th pick. Um, I think it has to start there, but I think that might be about it, especially if if the Jets agree to take most of the contract uh, money. Um, I guess we'll have to see, but I would honestly be fine, me personally, would just be fine with just getting the 13th pick and getting rid of Rodgers and the whole contract. Um, Yeah, that's just my two cents. Later.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 constantly up and down on the compensation thing. One minute you're feeling like we're going to get a haul, the next minute you feel like you're going to get nothing. Um where I'm at right now, I feel like a first-round pick is the absolute max. Um everybody is trying to make it seem like it's really unlikely that we get a first-round pick unless we're eating additional cap space. Um and that may be the case that we need to uh you know, eat some uh eat some of that money in order to get that first and I don't know that we necessarily have the money to be able to do that I don't know I think what I need to and we need to prepare for is the possibility of an absolute eruption when we find out that it ends up being a you know what did somebody say a, a 2020 maybe a this year's second and a 2025 conditional pick or something which is conditional on if he plays again the next year so I don't know I'm just I'm just preparing for not getting a ton Which shouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, ultimately, we just need an answer. If he retires, we get nothing, so something is better than nothing. But I think just because there's been so much hype about you know, getting that haul, which what does suck is we could have gotten an absolute freaking haul if we'd have done this in 21. You know what I mean? Or after 21 season or whenever whenever that was that there was this big dust-up and they decided to give him this ridiculous contract. If they would have just said, you know what, no, we're not doing that. If you want to go, then we'll trade you. We could have gotten just stupid picks granted those picks would be gone by now and we'd have nothing to whatever wonder who we could have gotten have to go back and look I don't know anyways that's for another day yeah but right now I'm just I'm not hyper optimistic about uh this but I, I I just feel like something I don't know I don't <laughs> that's what's crazy about this one minute I think about it it's gonna be really anticlimactic like it happened. Packers are going to get a second and give back a fifth or something crazy, and it's like, what? And we're going to have to eat some money. Like, dude, this blows, but okay, whatever. I guess we know the – at least we know. And then on the other hand, it's like, what if you get – what if you're trading Rodgers and Bakhtiari and we're getting back a player and a first-round pick and just, you know, like this big, massive thing just took place that changes absolutely everything? Just don't know. Don't know, man. But I'm on the side of pessimism right now.
3: I went for a good while without realizing it.
2: I think, did I not play your first call? I don't think I did. Sorry.
3: Hey, Ryan, Daniel from California. Hey, Daniel. I was went back and was watching the Chiefs game uh, in 2021 where uh, the Packers had Aaron Rodgers stay home because he had COVID and Jordan Love had to start. I probably always talk about this game, so I went back and watched to kind of see what, what happened, and then I went back after, and I was seeing what guys who covered the game that were doing breakdowns had to say, and um, the one guy that particularly, like, was you know, showed a lot of mistakes by the Packers' offense itself was J.T. O'Sullivan, his YouTube channel is the QB school, but... It was very interesting to see because to open the game, we have a uh, a play where it gets checked to from a run play to a pass play, and it's just a little boot action, and the backside tight end doesn't make the adjustment and come across and uh, hit the flat like he's supposed to, and you end up seeing you know later on you just there's all kinds of A-gap and B-gap pressure and a lot of design flaws with the offense and I just I wonder with this because it's a hybrid offense and it's Rodgers running the offense instead of it being the illusion of complexity with the Shanahan system and I just wonder if these things that Love was seeing is because it's it's you know it's a Frankenstein offense instead of being an offense where there's guys running around the field, the motions, and it it keeps the A gap and B gap pressure on its toes because there's supposed to be motions and everything. Because when you watch that game, it was for the most part all the passing things just drop back passing, and a lot of it still fades and deep overs and stuff. And early on, you could tell the Chiefs were blitzing really heavy. And, you know, they were bringing complex blitzes, but they didn't have any pass blocking solutions. And I remember on one of the Pat McAfee episodes, Rogers was talking about the differences between a Shanahan offense and a West Coast offense. And there's not a lot of pass blocking adjustments built into the Shanahan offense. So I wonder, I just wonder uh, what the deal is. With all that, and if the offense was more pure with the Shanahan offense, if we would we would see less of these free runners up up in the B gap, and
2: Let you finish.
3: I went for a good while without realizing it. It dropped the call. You're good man. Yeah, we. Yeah, I want. I just wonder because that was the big thing. That love had to struggle with was pressure up the middle. When typically that's not how a quarterback deals with pressure. Normally it's pushed to the outside so they get, you know, that that extra second that he needs to get the quick pass off. But you look at the difference between the Philly game. He was able to stand there, throw uh, quick passes, you know, run, you know, short overs, and just letting guys get in space and being able to run. So. Hopefully, we get an answer to on this whole Rodgers guy they keep talking about. And I can start geeking out about Jordan Love and watching Philly tape, you know, having other people watch the Chiefs tape. And a lot of those plays where he's throwing it up to guys, people forget that OTA, none of the receivers came to OTA or minicamp. So he had no chemistry with, through his receivers. So some of the throws were off, but of course, your top – Four receivers weren't there for OTAs. So, considering all that with the Chiefs game, they almost came back at one. I'm all right right with that. Hopefully uh, we get an answer soon. Go Pack Go.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the question's been asked a lot in regards to how much Aaron Rodgers' um, influence in all of this caused our offense to struggle and it's for me an unanswerable question because I I just I don't know and I don't really know of a way to get an answer on that when you talk about you know the the mishaps at the offensive line and I certainly saw them, I I struggle to blame that on Rodgers necessarily aside from potentially again some of the checks that are being made possibly just overcomplicating things but um, again, I I feel like the things that they were asked to do were were absurd some of the time, but mostly that had to do with run blocking in the run game. But again, the the only thing I can say is kind of revert back to my my go to answer for this question or, or comment, and that is we know that Aaron Rodgers had some influence on the offense. To what degree I don't know. We we know it isn't zero influence, and we know it isn't a hundred percent. We know Matt Lafleur also has some. And it's also entirely possible that Aaron Rodgers' version and what he wanted to do is better than what Matt Lafleur wanted to do. That is possible. But here's ultimately my issue. I don't think a blended system is going to work. A blended system isn't a system, and that's the problem. All right? You can take the best sports car in the world and the best um, motorcycle in the world and they're great independently, and and everything is built specifically for that one thing. It's a system. A a Harley-Davidson is a system. Everything about it is built to be that Harley. And if you take a Ferrari, it's a system. The engine, the tires, the diameter, the aerodynamics, the shape, the color, everything about it, every every screw, every bolt, every piece of stitching— Everything is designed to be the system that is this Ferrari and this Harley. You can't say, well, what if we blend them together? Will it be better? Of course it won't be better. Because everything about that Ferrari is designed to be perfect. And if it wasn't perfect, they would have changed it. If you start putting Harley tires on a Ferrari, it's not going to be better. You know how I know? Because if it was, it would have been put on there to begin with. You certainly can't put a Ferrari engine in a Harley. That's not going to work. And so... My issue isn't necessarily who's right or wrong. Was was Rodgers way better than Lafleur's way? You know, did Rodgers make good decisions when, when Lafleur? It doesn't matter. The point is, we need to figure out a direction, and we need to go in that direction. And blending systems, I just think, is a bad idea. If Aaron Rodgers wants to run the offense, and he wants to do what they did back with Mike McCarthy because he finds that system to be more beautiful, fine. Then I guess we hired the wrong head coach. But what I don't like is the fact that we made a decision to go in a different direction. We hired Matt LaFleur to implement a system. Rogers said, I don't really like this system. I like this. And so they said, OK, well, let's find ways to incorporate what you do and what I do. And we'll try to build this Frankenstein thing. And it's not going to work. And to what degree that caused the problems, I don't know. You know, there are some people who would say that, you know, in, in 2019, it was sort of the Frankenstein system. And then in 2020, he fully bought in. And that's when he was at his greatest. And then in 2021, he kind of started to lax, and he was still MVP, but not quite as much. And then he got his contract, and he stopped following the system. In other words, they see it as a direct one-to-one correlation. The more Rodgers leans into the system, the better the offense is, and the more he pulls back and wants to do his own thing, the worse that it is. If that's true, great. And I would encourage you to go out and try to find that. I don't even know how to begin to look into that. So I can't really comment on that. I hope it's true. Because if that's true, then we're sitting on a freaking gold mine. But I I do struggle to believe that Aaron Rodgers was the sole, and and I know you're not saying this, but he was the thing that was holding this team back. And once he's gone, and we can take apart this Frankenstein-Harley-Ferrari hybrid, start stripping all the Harley parts off of the Ferrari and put all the old Ferrari parts back on it and just drive it as a Ferrari. You know, even if Jordan Love is sort of the base model of the Ferrari. You know, he's got the low-end Ferrari engine, whatever that would even be. It's still a freaking Ferrari, which is better than a hybrid Ferrari-Harley, even with the greatest engine in the world, which would be Aaron Rodgers. Unless we have a Ferrari, and and, and again, that would be supposedly what some people would say, that's 2020. 2020 was the Ferrari with the high-end engine in it. That's why we were the number one offense in football. But once we start Frankensteining parts on here, it doesn't matter that it has this engine in it. It's going to run clunky. And that's a good way of, of looking at it, too. Especially 2019 and 2022, it just felt clunky. You know, sometimes it looked great, and then other times it was like, well, what was that? And again, I'm not saying that that's the situation, because I I don't know how to even go, go about assessing that. Um, you know, probably need some film guys that can understand the system and I wouldn't even say the Shanahan system because I don't know for sure that that's what Matt LaFleur wants Um, I mean it's going to be something similar to it it's a west coast offense but you know really understanding the core principles of that as opposed to Shanahan which is sort of a a a variation of it whereas Sean McVay is also a variation of it or whatever and but but there's still going to be there, there would have to be distinguishable things between what we believe Matt LaFleur wants to do as you said, the illusion of complexity type stuff, that is what Matt LaFleur wants to do. And then there's the Mike McCarthy thing. And then also acknowledging that there's going to be overlap. There there are going to be plays that Mark McCarthy ran that Matt LaFleur would run, but really trying to dissect it and look at it and look at every single play in every single game and come to the conclusion that, you know, we ran 95% Matt LaFleur in 2020 and 65% in 2022 and there's your answer kind of thing. I don't know. But I I just I just want there to be a cohesive looking offense, something that just looks smooth. And I think that's the be- that's the thing that gets me and a lot of other people excited about Jordan Love. It's not necessarily that it did anything great, although some of the throws, like that that throw to Aaron Jones and whatnot, some of that was really impressive. But it's not even the impressive throws. I just want to see an offense that just looks like clockwork. Just boom, boom, boom down the line, where the defenses are just on their heels, like, dude, freaking slow down. One minute, it's a 15-yard shot down the sideline, back shoulder to Aaron Jones. And then it's a quick slant throw to Romeo Dobbs. And then it's a screen pass over to Christian Watson, who takes it for 10. Then it's a, a, a post route. Then it's this. Then it's a run. Then it, you know what I mean? It's just it's just this constant barrage. And it's, just, it's great timing and great accuracy and great delivery. As long as we've got blocking for, for Jordan Love to throw in, and he knows who to throw to, when to throw it, and throws an accurate ball, the offense is unstoppable. But it's getting that rhythm and that clockwork. And that's what Aaron Rodgers had with his guys back in the day, talking about you know him with Jordy Nelson and, and those kinds of things. And I think it worked because it was a system. And even if you think about um, the, the connection that he had with Jordy and the connection that he had with Devontae, in, in a sense, that was sort of a system. It was an understanding of conditions, and when things are like this, we do this, and as long as everything is executed within that system, it's going to work and it's not stoppable. I think everybody's system-based, including Aaron Rodgers, it's just his way of doing things is a certain system that, I mean, and again, I go back to the idea of Devontae and him leaving being a massive uh, issue specifically for Aaron Rodgers. Now, this is just a theory, but if we assume that what I'm saying is true, that Rodgers' system, we'll call it, was essentially only still alive and well with Devontae. And once Devontae left, he was systemless. It kind of goes, if again, if that's the case, kind of goes back to showing that Rodgers was not really in this system because he wasn't able to incorporate what he does into what Matt LaFleur does. And he's out there just kind of looking for his system, but he's looking for, you know, that that rookie that's able to do what Devontae did rather than saying, listen, you don't need to do that. If you just step back and follow the system, you know, and Rodgers even did talk about it. Again, I'm not trying to say that I know anything explicitly, but Rodgers even did talk about how he doesn't really like the idea of these systems where he just turns his brain off. You know, it's these overly simplified things where I just sit there and like a, a mindless drone, distribute the ball to the open guy, and he doesn't like that. He wants to get to the line, read the defense, make a decision based on, you know, what is the best play in this situation, call that play at the line and run it. And there's several problems with that. Number one, the system is dead. Because the system is more like poker. You're setting them up, right? You let them win a couple hands and then you set them up and then you come in over the top and you felt them. You crush them. You take them out. But it's a back and forth and it has to do with like reading what they're doing and 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 it's just this whole four-quarter long process. But we can't do any of that if, if what we're doing is on a play-to-play basis, just trying to determine what the best play is at this second and calling that play. If all we're doing is play calling and it's all you know, you reading at the line. There really isn't a system. It's just trying to pick the best play and run it. And then again, it was further complicated by the fact that you're making these checks, which complicates things at the offensive line. It makes it really hard for the receivers. And if the receivers aren't doing the right thing, which makes sense because they're rookies. And as you pointed out, they haven't spent a ton of time working together. It's unlikely to be successful. And then Rodgers is frustrated because it's like, I called the right play and you freaking idiots couldn't execute And if you could have, then I would have been right, and we could have got this done, but instead I'm working with a bunch of incompetents. i got to constantly change this guy's calls because he keeps calling stuff that's stupid, and i got to change it, and then I change it, and these guys don't know how to execute it, and I'm tired of being with a bunch of incompetent losers. And again, there could be a situation where you look at it and say he's right. But the fact of the matter is it is what it is. Matt LaFleur is going to call plays based on what the system dictates, and the players are going to do what is within their ability. And you trying to force something that isn't possible isn't helping anything. And pissing moaning about the fact that guys aren't able to do what you want to have happen also doesn't do anything. You know, if we had Devontae and Jordy here, we would have won this game easily, but I got to work with these guys. Well, that's true and it's wrong at the exact same time. It's true in that, yeah, if you'd had all your stud guys and every, every a bunch of veterans that knew what they were doing, you could have run down the field. You just call in the plays at the line and just get down the field and you would have crushed these guys. But you're wrong in assuming that you can just make it happen, even though those guys aren't here. And again, I don't know how much of that was going on. I'm just laying out a p- potential problem that may have happened, and then I think made sense makes sense to assume that uh, very possibly could have happened. But again, at, at, at a baseline, we know that his input in the system, talking about Aaron Rodgers, was more than zero and less than 100%. And I do think that the blending, and I could be wrong about this, but I do think the blending is always going to cause a problem. You need to have a system, you need to have a singular focus, and you need to make that work. Now, yes, you need to take your system and make it work with the players you have, but it's still the system. You know, if you if you incorporate it to cooking, right? I make Italian food. You see this on the cooking shows all the time. They give you a theme, you have to cook this, and then you get a certain amount of ingredients, and you have to figure out how to make it. But the point is, I make Italian food, and so whether there's pasta and, you know, uh, sausage and this, you know, you'll, you'll come up with a, an Italian dish. And if somebody else cooks Mexican, they'll look at it and say, okay, I'm going to take that sausage, and I'm going to take this uh, flour and make a flour tortilla, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make Mexican. So I'm going to take the same ingredients, but I'm going to make separate things over here. The problem is Aaron Rodgers is over here on the pasta team, and he's saying, all right, but well, check this out. What if we throw some salsa on that, right? Well, no, I mean, we, we, we use something kind of similar to salsa, but it's not, we don't do salsa. Well, I think we should have salsa. We use salsa back there and salsa is really good. Like, I, I get that, but like we're making spaghetti and meatballs. Like, what if we made the meatballs out of chorizo and made the sauce salsa and you can keep the pasta? No, I, I don't want chorizo meatballs and salsa salsa and pasta. It's like, dude, but chorizo and salsa is delicious. I get that, but this is Italian. And what you're describing sounds gross. You say, you know, like Mexican food, like, you get what I'm saying though? Yes, you need to incorporate your um, system, Italian, with the players you have, the ingredients you have, right? If you don't have pasta on your team, spaghetti and meatballs might not be the best option. And if you have everything to make pizza dough, don't mix it all together and try to make uh, pasta out of it and make pizza dough pasta just because this is what I like. I make good spaghetti and meatballs. And again, that's what I'm talking about, about being a good coach is being able to adapt. Do you actually know the system well enough? Do you know Italian cuisine well enough to take whatever ingredients are in front of you and make an Italian dish out of it? Or do you just know how to make spaghetti and meatballs? And again, that's an entirely separate thing of mixing cuisines. Aaron Rodgers is a great ingredient, but it's a different thing to say, make the system fit Rodgers than it is to say, let Rodgers bring his Mexican food into your Italian food and create... Like a uh, spaghetti and meatballs burrito, which, by the way, sounds amazing. And and I'm pretty sure I've actually done that before. I'm not going to lie. and it It's really good. It's just like pasta, sauce, cheese, meatballs wrapped up in a burrito. Super good. So yeah, maybe it can work, but it <laughs> don't expect it to work, and that shouldn't be the plan moving forward. I think I've explained that well enough. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I appreciate everybody for calling in. Uh, again, if you'd like to participate, please feel free to do so. Uh, even if you disagree, I, I, I try to be nice. Sometimes, depending on your tone, I can be a little little hostile. But I do want to hear. You know, I, I don't want this to turn into a sycophantic show where everybody calls in and just talks about how much they agree with what I say. And I promise you, I'm not just skipping all those calls. I very rarely skip calls. But six zero eight five zero one zero seven one eight, get your call in, and I will talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs>